Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Um, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was about the same age as my son Rylan was, I reckon. Um, not that I condone this story or its behaviour, but um, that's what I did anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I was in high school and, and we made one of those wooden pencil boxes. You know, the one you make in high school with the little slidey door on top? And, and I was so bad at woodwork, I still am, that by the time I'd finished correcting the cuts, it wouldn't actually fit a pen. Like it ended up too, so small that a pen wouldn't fit in it. And so I always had pencil cases all the way through high school. And some of the other boys would find it really funny to take a Stanley knife and cut up my pencil case so that when I went there, it's all, the pencils would all fall out everywhere. Anyway, I was about Ryland's age, and I got given by my mum a Star Wars pencil case. Now, I'm a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a nerd, and I love Star Wars. And so I love this pencil case. This was like the best. I can still me- remember exactly what it looked like today. Like, it was awesome. And anyway, one lunchtime I go to get something out of my locker, I open my locker only to find that my pencil case had been cut up. And I was so angry. And I was in the, li- the common room where we all were, and I remember saying, who did this? And some of the other kids hadn't actually seen me angry. <laughs> and, and they just said, it was James. And they pointed out who the other kid, who wasn't in the room at the time. His name was James Campbell. If you're watching, hi James. <laughs> and so James Campbell had cut up my pencil case. So without any thought, in total anger and rage, I went straight to his locker, opened it, however I needed to open it. I grabbed his pencil box, put it under my arm, and walked straight down to the woodwork room. I then fired up the bandsaw. The bandsaw is the one with the, the blade that goes from like all the way around, like a big... And so I fired up the bandsaw, took his pencil box, and with utter delight, pushed it all the way through from one side to the other, cutting it in half. Then I held the pencil box together and carefully came back and put it back in his locker and waited for the bell to ring. The bell rang at the end of lunchtime and... James comes and all the other kids and they all go to their lockers and stuff and James grabs the edge of what he thinks is his complete pencil box and pulls it out and turns around only to his horror and everybody else's amusement. He sprawled pencils all across the floor. But it wasn't just pencils, it was half pencils (laughs) and half rulers and a half calculator that had all just been sprawled all over the floor. I remember James looking in horror and the first person he looked at was me. I remember looking at him going, yeah. <laughs> well, well, two things out of this story. The first one is, no one ever touched my pencil case ever again. The second one was, James and I ended up becoming great friends. Camper, as we call him now, um, James Campbell. Uh, Camper and I hung out, we became really good mates, we still catch up. But in that moment, I acted badly. It's a funny story now, but in the moment, that's not good behaviour. What if I hung on to that anger? What if I hung on to that rage 
and treated James for the rest of his life like poorly because of what that event held? What if I held on to that? What if I let that emotion fester? Today we start a series on Jonah and today's message is called Stinkin' Thinkin'. Because, and there's a lot of puns to smelly fish and all sorts of stuff through this series, right? But stinking thinking because sometimes we think things that aren't right. Sometimes our thoughts aren't very healthy and they can stink. Sometimes we hang on to hate just a little bit too tightly. And today's message is all about that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up Scripture... I pray that we would find the place where we relate in our relationship with you. Help us to identify what you want to say to us, what you want to challenge us as your church today, so that we can become what you want us to become, so that we can live the way you want us to live and we can love the way you want us to love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So for those of you that are maybe new to faith or maybe visiting, um, Jonah's the story about the fish, right? And we're not going to get to that part of the story today, but that's sort of a story we've probably heard uh, for a long time. So I want to sort of bring some perspective onto it a little bit and unpack a little bit of history. Also for the interns, I want to bring some history and a little bit of theology around the book of Jonah. So Jonah, like Nineveh at this time that Jonah's written, is a really powerful, powerful place. It's in Assyria, and it's kind of this trading hub. It's in current, currently in modern-day, um, the, the world as we know it, is in Misal, located in Iraq. So that's, that's where it is today. In the 1950s, they uncovered the original city, which was ultimately destroyed by Babylon. So if you picture your Bible history, um, Jerusalem had the walls torn down and the temple destroyed, Bible history. So that was in the, the time of Babylon, and so it's during that same period that we see that um, Nineveh is also destroyed. So we've got to go back a little bit earlier. and We're looking sort of three, um, sort of that six, seven, eight hundred before Christ BC. That's sort of the time period where this sort of takes place. Now the Ninevites, when, when, this, when the archaeological discoveries were found in the, the 1850s, of the, the site, they found all this history, they found all sorts of artefacts which are still uh, on display in the British Museum today. And so there's all these photos, there's all these historical records, um, there were some non-Christian archaeologists and some Christian archaeologists, and all of them agree that the Ninevites were horrifically brutal people. They were actually really harsh. They were, they were, they were, their actions were quite evil. We've got some photos here that are from the British Museum. The picture on your left shows that the interpretation of this picture is people being forced to crush the bones of their family members under pain of death. Unless you do this, we will kill you. You can see that on the the picture on your left. And the one on the right, you see someone's had their head taken off. They were known for child sacrifice. They would skin their enemies alive. And I won't go on because they were just horrific horrific people. Some scholars go as far as saying they were the most brutal people in biblical times. Horrifically evil, evil actions. And so that's, that's the backstory to what God is about to do, to what God is about to, to start in this story. And so we start with Jonah chapter 1. 
And in Jonah chapter 1, we read in the first few verses, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So we see that God's attention has been raised. God realises, hey, there's something going on here. I'm going to send one of my messages in the form of a prophet. And the prophet's job was to hear from God and, and tell people what they hear. God said, go. And so that was his instruction, go. But Jonah ran away. And, and, and often when we run away from God, there's a cost. Jonah paid the fare. Jonah paid the price because he was disobedient to God. You see, sometimes when we, we read these stories, we, we realise the perspective. Uh, sometimes we, we can lack the perspective to realise just what running away from God looks like. When Jonah ran away from God, it wasn't just like, la, 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 I'm not paying attention. Like, he really ran away from God. The equivalent distances from, from Jonah going to Joppa and heading to Tarshish instead of Nineveh is like God saying, I want you to go to Canberra from Ballarat. And instead of going to Canberra, you went to Perth. Okay? It's about 3,500 kilometres in the wrong direction. Rather than five, 600, 700 k's, this direction, it's, it's thousands of kilometres in the other direction. He really ran away from God. I wonder when it, when it, it comes to us and what God's laid on, on our hearts, sometimes God's given us an instruction. God has all called us to go. Matthew 28, we talk about that all the time. God says, go into all nations. God's called us to go. God's called us to, to care. God's called us to love. God's called us to give. We learned about that last week. There's all these things that God's called us to do. Sometimes, though, we don't want to do that. Sometimes we're disobedient to that. Sometimes we're too scared to do that. I wonder if, if you realise that when you say no to God, there's actually a cost. Usually the cost is we miss out on something, but there's always a cost that we pay. I wonder if you're so scared to be obedient there may be something that you're running away from in your relationship with God. Maybe you're just so petrified of God, oh, I know I should, but I'm scared. Sometimes it gets simple as God says, hey, go and talk to that person. You just go, no, I'm an introvert. You go talk to that person. I don't want to talk to that person. I'm an introvert. I get that. Sometimes God calls us to, to, to be generous or to give or to, or to meet a need or go and do something. You just go, oh, I don't want to. I don't feel comfortable. I, I, I don't have the words. Think of Moses. When God called Moses to go and lead his, lead his people out of, out of Egypt, he goes, yeah, I don't talk good. I'm not a good speaking man person stuff. You know, like he was, he was nervous. He, all this sort of, we can come up with lots of excuses, but there's a cost. And Jonah was so willing to pay that cost. You see, Jonah knew Nineveh. He knew the reputation, he knew what the people had been doing, he knew what they were like, and he did not want to go. Jonah knew that God was a loving, merciful, forgiving God, and he wanted justice. He wanted his justice for Nineveh. So he chose to head in the opposite direction for thousands of kilometres. Verse 4, we read then, 
the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God. Then they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, if the sailors were afraid, it's probably time to start paying attention. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane. Like, I don't fly very much, but there was a season where I did a little bit of flying in a previous, in a previous role. And, and you fly all the time and you'd see, you know, there'd be a bit of turbulence and the, the stewardess or stewardesses would be like walking down the plane and they're sort of grabbing the, the sides as, they, as it rocks back and forth. And they're all, they're cruisy, like everyone's fine. But I remember one flight where we were hitting some turbulence and I saw the stewardess's face and she looked afraid. I'm thinking, if she's afraid, I'm allowed to be scared. Right? She does this for a living. I'm just, like, I'm just, here, I'm just a tourist on this plane. I, I just, I'm just here for the ride. But if they're scared, I'm allowed to be scared. The sailors are afraid. These are sailors that their life is spent on the sea. And they're not afraid that the, the ship's going to have water in it or anything else. They're, they're afraid that the ship is going to be torn to pieces. The ship's going to break up. The storm was so great. And so firstly, they cry out to their own God, little g, God, not big g, little g. And then they start throwing cargo over to lighten the ship. And I I wonder for us, when it comes to the storms that we face, the decisions that we have, the trials that rise up against us, the storms, what's your reaction? Where's your perspective? Where do you look for answers when storms rise up? Are you the type of person that says, you know what, well, well, I'm going to look for answers in some places that I think there's wisdom. Maybe I'll look for places that have like really, really wise counsel like Facebook. Or maybe I'll just go to the internet, that'll help me. Or or maybe I can do it myself. I'm going to start throwing stuff overboard. I'm going to start throwing stuff out of my life and try and lighten the load because maybe that'll help. Maybe that's what I can do to get out of this, this space. And the sailors are frantic. They thought they were going to die. So they're doing everything they can to try and save their life. It goes on to say that they get to this point where, where nothing's happening and they're not able to do it. So they go, we, we need to, to find out who's responsible. Noah's at this point is down, down the deck, down the thing. I'm not a sailor. Under the top bit. Yeah. The deck, yes. Below deck, that's a much, yeah. I'm like Moses, I talk good not, yep, Yoda. <laughs> um, and, and he's asleep. And they're like, they're trying to work out what's going on. They've got all these questions, they are really panicking. They cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. And so they, they, they go to him and they've got all these questions, verse 8. So they ask him, quick, quick, who's responsible for making this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where did you come from? What's your country? From what people? Do you come from? What's going on? We need some answers. We're scared. We're going to die. And they're panicking. And this is where we actually see that Jonah knows his identity. In some ways, it makes it even worse that he's run away from God because he knows who he's running away from. But Jonah answers in verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them. See, Jonah knew who he was. He knew who he served. He knew God's power. 
Yet he didn't want to forgive Nineveh, he wanted to run away. I wonder what our response is to God's power. Do you actually understand God's power? Because the sailors were starting to experience God's power. You see, the two characters in chapter 1 that we take, we take notice of in Jonah, firstly is Jonah himself. The second group of people that we start to take notice of is the sailors. Because the sailors have just gone from this space of, I can work my way out of this. I can find answers in my own gods, in my own way, in my own understanding, to realising, no, I can't. And I've found someone that seems to know someone that has some control. And, and, and there's some power. And we're starting to be afraid of what you've done because you seem to know someone with some power. You need to seem to know God. As a church, I wonder when... For those of you that have met Jesus and have accepted him, if you can remember that moment when you accept Jesus into your life. Remember the power that God had in that moment. For those of you that are, that are searching, I'd encourage you to lean into God. I remember having a young guy come into my office a number of years ago. His name was Tim. It's an awesome name. And I remember he coming in and said, oh, and his first, his opener was, I need to be baptised. I'm like... Hi, I'm Tim. That's a really early, like, why do you need to be baptised? Let's, let's get some story. This is a, I've never met him before. What's going on? And he had this encounter with God where he watched a YouTube clip on hell. And it scared him. It actually did the job. It actually literally scared that out of him. And that night he prayed this prayer, God, I need you. I don't want to go there. What do I need to do to not go there? If there's something that I need, can you send it? He woke up the next day and went to work as a, as a builder and, and it, he just realised, I can't swear anymore. There's something really wrong with me. My, I can't swear. He did some more research. And so he came in, he came in we had this conversation. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, man. That's the power of God. We had to do this whole journey with him. Incredible young guy with an awesome name. Also back for Hawthorne. So good. <laughs> do you know God's power? The sailors were just starting to experience. Jonah knew it. Do you? The story goes on that, that they go, so you seem to know something. What do we have to do? What do we have to do to get out of this situation? What do we have to do to get out of this storm? What do we have to do to not die? And Jonah says, well... Throw me into the water. Just throw me into the ocean. Now, in the, they're in the middle of the sea. That meant that he was going to die. They're like, no, no, no. And how often, how often do we do this? We go, all yours, God, all yours. We're all in for you. We're all good. God goes, do this. And we go, in a bit, nah, nah, nah. We're, nah. And so what do they do? They start rowing. Still, I'm pretty sure the boat was bigger than that. But they, they, they start rowing. They grab an oar each and they, they start rowing and, and once again try and do it in their own work. They, they, they row and they row until they are so exhausted they've got no energy left. Under their own efforts, they can do nothing. They've, they've looked for different gods. They've thrown the cargo over. They've rowed. They cannot get through this storm under their own work. Verse 14, 14 and they cry out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. 
They were crying out to different gods just a little while ago. Now they're crying out to God, asking for his mercy. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. In their response, they offered sacrifices to the Lord and they made vows. It makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you ponder. What's your response to what God has done? What's your reaction to God's power? Now, just a few verses back, these sailors didn't know who God was. They thought they had gods. They thought they knew the power of God, but they weren't worshipping the right God. They thought they could do things themselves and realised, now they got nothing. And then God's power shows up. Their response is they are on their knees. They're offering sacrifices. They're making promises to God. What's our response to what God has done? In preparing this message, I read a number of commentaries and, and discovered that what Jonah didn't do. Jonah didn't tell them, hey, turn the boat around and head to Nineveh. He didn't. Jonah never once started to cry out to God, God, I am sorry for being disobedient. There's a trail of thought that Jonah, rather than saying sorry for not going to Nineveh, rather than than telling the boat to turn around and do what God, rather than, than be obedient to God, he would rather die. There's a trail of thought that, that thinks that. Joseph, Jonah would choose to die rather than forgive. I wonder at this point in the story who you relate to. Do you relate to Jonah, knowing that God's called you to do something and you're saying no? Maybe God's called you to forgive someone and you've said no. Well, maybe you relate to the sailors, that when the storms of life spring up, you go, I've got this. Under my own work, under my own strength, I can work through this. I'm smart. I can find my own ways through this problem. Only to realise that, nah, we can't. There's an old saying that's around forgiveness. And the saying says, forgive and forget. I actually don't think it's a very wise saying. Forgive, yep. And that's hard. And it can take time. It can take years. I think forgiveness is good. Actually, the Bible says forgiveness is good. Mark 11 says, and as you say, uh, as you, you pray, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us as we forgive those that, that sin against us, or trespass against us. We, we, we pray that we forgive others so that God can forgive us. So forgiveness is important. Forgiveness is really hard. Forgiveness can be a journey. Forgiveness can take years. But forgiveness is what God's called us to do. But we don't forget. As you know, that people come to the church all the time with needs. And for, for many years, um, over the, the history of, of God's church, people have come. And, and often the story goes something like this. Someone will come in that we haven't seen for a long time or maybe we've never seen before. And they'll say, Hey, I'm really hungry, I've got no money and I want to feed my family. Hey, we're God's church, we're compassionate, we're empathetic, we're generous, we're loving, so we go, here's some money. And for years, you then find that person in the gutter, drunk, because they've taken that money and because of an addiction, because of something that they they really can't manage themselves, they go and go straight to the, 
the bottle shop or whatever and buy a heap of alcohol and, and get drunk. Do we forgive them? Yeah, of course we do. It's a mistake. It's, it's an illness. There's all sorts of reasons we don't know their whole story. Absolutely, we will forgive them. The next week, they come back looking for money. Hey, I want to feed my family. Do we forget? And say, you some money again? No. As a church, what do we do? Well, we have no money on, on site. Yeah, that would be foolish. But what we do do is if somebody needs something, we, we go down and we, we'll maybe buy them a, a voucher for some food and you can get vouchers that can only be used for food. We can meet that need. Or we point them to services that are, that are in the community are designed to help them better than what we can. We have some frozen meals as a part of one of the ministries here at the church. We can give them some food on the spot. But we're not going to give them money because we're not going to forget that that actually caused them harm because they couldn't manage that well. We forgive them for not doing that thing, you know, not treating that well, but we're not going to forget. The same as some people that have been in abusive relationships. Are you called to forgive? Yes. Is that hard? Absolutely. Do you forget? Don't forget. Don't go back to an abusive relationship. That's not what God's heart is. God wants people to change to be like him, but if people choose not to change, you're just going to get yourself hurt by going back to someone that's doing damage. You can forgive them, but don't forget. Why do we need to forgive? Well, God loves everybody. He loves his children, even if they're off the rails, even if they've done terrible things. He wants them to change. But God is also a merciful God and wants to forgive people when they come to him. And he wants us to forgive others as well. To summarise, is there something that you're petrified of in God's commandment to you? Something that you're running away from? Is there a perspective, like when issues and storms arise in life and you don't know where to look? Perspective of trying to do things yourself rather than giving to God. Do you know God's power? Have you experienced God's power? And when you see God's power, does it make you think of what your response is to what God has called you to do or what what you've experienced of God and how that changes the way that you act and relate to others? We end this passage of Jonah chapter 1 in this moment where Jonah's in the sea. Jonah's in the water. It looks like it's all over. Jonah's been disobedient. He's gone the wrong way, God sent a storm, he sees his only way out is to be thrown overboard and Jonah's in the water and he's in his mind, he is dead, it is over, it is finished. He's treading water, he's doing what he can but like, for some of us you may feel like that's you, you feel like I'm in, this, I'm in the water and I'm treading and there's still a bit of a storm around me and I don't know. I don't, know if I, can, I don't know how much longer I can tread this water. I don't know how much longer I can sit in this space. How much longer? I sort of gave up a long time ago and jumped ship and I'm in this, in this water and I don't know how much longer I can last before I go under. So the good news is about the book of Jonah is that's not the end of the story. And the good news for you is the same thing. It's not the end of the story. Our God is a God of hope. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of of restorative power. And as we're going to hear over the next few weeks, God rescues Jonah. Spoiler alert. But God also wants to rescue you. Sometimes we find ourselves drowning in this space of, I can do it myself, I can do it myself. And sometimes you can until you can't. 
And then you cry out to God. For some of us, yeah, my prayer is that, that, that you wouldn't be like Jonah, but you would learn to forgive. You would learn to forgive. You do that work because this unforgiveness is just eating Jonah up. It's tearing him apart. It's becoming his identity rather than God being his identity. Forgiveness is hard. We keep saying it because it's true. But the story's not over. And God has a plan for Jonah. And God has a plan for you. The thing that I love about this point in the story of Jonah in chapter 1 is that even though Jonah in this space of feeling hopeless, in this space of being in the water, something incredible has also happened. And sometimes you may feel like, nah, it's, it's all over. I haven't done much with my life. I haven't done much in this space. But simply because Jonah said, I am a Hebrew and I worship God, he allowed something incredible to happen because there's this group of sailors that were lost but are now found. There's a group of sailors that were worshipping other gods and doing stuff on their own steam that are now bowing down to God, offering sacrifices and making vows to him. And even though sometimes we feel, I'm not equipped, I got nothing, God can still use you to bless others if you're willing to go, I'm a child of God. I worship him. That's all you need to do. God will do the rest. And even though you may feel like you're drowning, it's okay, God's with you, God's got plans for you, and God can still use you. In your weakness, he is strong. Jonah's in the sea, but the story's not over. God's actually used him already, and a whole ship of sailors have been saved. Jonah's story's not over, and neither is yours. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this incredible passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us when we do the wrong things. But Lord, also that you love us. You love us so much that you want to you show yourself to us in your fullness. Lord, would you give us the courage to be obedient to you? whether that's being like the sailors that discovered you for the first time or being like Jonah who had a, a very clear call of what the next step looked like, would you help us to always say yes to you and not no? Help us not to pay those terrible prices of disobedience, but Lord, in obedience, in acknowledging who we are and who you are, see other people's lives transformed because of what you've done in and through us. God, I pray for those that are wrestling with forgiveness. Lord, that you would be gracious to them. You would be gentle. But Lord, that bitterness would not consume them. That they would be known for being salt and light in the way that they forgive because you have forgiven them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer, or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.